unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Thanks, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So last week, we talked about uh, curiosity-driven headlines, and you teased out that this week we were going to be talking about um, laziness in headlines. Can you Do you want to go ahead and just jump into that? Sure. Um, when when you say laziness in headlines, most people probably think about the ads in the late 1970s. Uh, at that time, now famous copywriter Joe Carbo rocked the insiders in the direct marketing world with his full-page newspaper ads. And the headline in the ads was, The Lazy Man's Way to Riches. Most people thought that this was revolutionary, but... As brilliant as it was, Joe was not onto a new concept. You see, people had already been appealing to prospect laziness for decades. Let's say um, four decades earlier, uh, four, five decades earlier, um, in 1923, the legendary dancer and dance instructor, dance studio owner, Arthur Murray, ran an ad in Popular Science National Magazine with this headline. See how easily you can learn to dance this way. That implies it's for lazy people who don't want to work hard to learn to dance. So laziness in headlines is a time-tested technique. But a question a lot of people have is, can you use laziness headlines yourself? And I'm going to tell you absolutely, even if your prospects are the hardest working people on the planet, they will be more inclined to use your product when you use a laziness headline in the right way. We've got a lot to cover, so you'll really understand this, know how to do it, and we'll have some fun along the way. First, no fair warning. Copy is powerful, use it wisely. You are responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need, but if you're gonna make extreme claims, and especially if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity. You may want to get a legal review after you write your copy and before you start using it. And my larger clients routinely do this. They do it all the time. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, Nathan, and my lawyer can go off and invent other things he can do for me, (laughs) uh, let's dig into laziness headlines. All right? So you mentioned that some people might say, well, I can't use this with my prospects because it would maybe be insulting to call them lazy. Uh, But it's been my experience with humans in general, no matter how hardworking they are, we all want to get maximum output for minimum input. Yeah. Well, let's go right down to the brass tacks. So a lot of people say, well, life is hard and then you die. And I used to give a talk about that among other things in my talk. And I would say that may be true, but it is not a valid sales proposition. You're not usually, there are exceptions, but you're not usually going to be able to sell anything by telling people how hard they're going to have to work. And so one thing you can think about is that everything has an easy part and a hard part. And with your headline, which is where you start, you start by emphasizing the easy part. 
Now, here's another way to look at it, and it has to do with neuroscience. Don't worry, I'm not going to get all technical and geeky and ununderstand. This is pretty simple, okay? The human brain. The frontal cerebral cortex, the part right behind your forehead, where the ego operates, it just loves hard work because it gets to put a halo on above the skull, makes you so uh, saintly and, and pure and driven and so forth. Okay, great. And people love to complain about how hard they work or brag about how hard they work. But we're talking about sales here, not not buffing the ego. All right. The the brainstem and the old mammalian brain, the so-called lower parts of the brain, they have a lot of work to do under the hood. You don't even know about or you may know about it, but you're not even aware of it. They're they're keeping you alive. Brainstem is running all these different um, sympathetic and autonomous nervous system functions like your pulse and your heartbeat and your breathing and your metabolism. And the mammalian brain, it's running all these pictures and generating emotions and all this stuff. It's busy enough. It doesn't want to work hard. And here's the key point. Those two parts of the brain is where you make buying decisions, well, where your prospect makes buying decisions as well. They decide what you buy. So you want to appeal to these so-called lower parts of the brain, okay? Another point, you have prospects that work hard. Maybe they're ditch diggers, maybe they're CEOs, maybe they're CPAs, maybe they're copywriters, internet marketers, um, business owners, I don't know who your prospects are, but just because someone works hard at one thing doesn't mean they want to or are even willing to work hard at everything. That's an important point, okay? We tend to overgeneralize. We tend to think someone who works hard at one thing is going to want to work hard at everything. Not true, not true. Um, Here's another thing. If you look at what people buy, people buy advances, improved versions, you can look at anything from an iPhone to a car to um, an electric screwdriver, what, whatever whatever it is. Look at the advances. Look at commercial advances over the years. What do we have today? We have no iron shirts. I don't know much about women's clothes, Nathan, but I imagine we have no iron blouses, too. We have, I don't even know if women wear blouses anymore. I really don't know about women's clothes. <laughs> Automatic dishwasher. How much easier is it to use an iPad this year than a vintage 1995 Windows computer? See, progress favors laziness. And the hardest working people are buying these latest easier to use things. One one more thing I want to say. Sounds like I'm... Sounds like I'm recruiting for the National Laziness Association, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm not. I just want people to understand a different point of view about laziness. Everyone is so busy these days. So who wants to add one more difficult, time-consuming activity to their schedule? But people don't. And, and, and that's, that's why appealing to laziness, starting your headline, can be very profitable. Absolutely. That's uh, something that I... When I first approached you about doing this podcast, I knew that you're a busy guy. So in order to try and sell you on uh, teaming up with me and doing this podcast, one of the things that I really focused on was I'll make it as easy as possible for you to do this. I don't think that you're a lazy guy. I know that you're 
a brilliant, hardworking guy, but uh, when it comes to learning a whole new technology like podcasting, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot easier to sell the idea to you if I make it as easy as possible for you to accomplish it. That's a, that's a really good point. And until you mentioned, it, I didn't think about it. That is something you did. And you know, in in making my decision, I thought about what is this going to add to my schedule? How much time and energy, creative energy, research is this going to take? And when you said you'd handle everything else, what I needed to do is a content and let people on my list know about this get get people to the podcast i thought that's a pretty good deal yeah um and it was the way you told me uh, clearly you had that on your mind you you were aware that i was already pretty busy and so yeah um you you definitely are a shining walking talking example of this nathan <laughs> sweet so uh let's let's continue with um with today's topic and and why people will pay their hard-earned money for, for an opportunity, as you say, to be lazy. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> that's really important. I mean, I, I, again, I'm going to refer to an old talk I gave. This I would say, I used to call it the seven reasons people buy. I would say the seven reasons people buy 95% of the time. There may be others, but these are the main reasons people will buy. One, to make money. Two, to save money. Three, to save time. Four, to reduce effort. Five, to increase pleasure. Six, to reduce or eliminate pain. Seven, to improve health. Okay, that was seven reasons. Four of them appeal either directly or indirectly to laziness. I'll show you. Um, Number three is save time. Well, in most people's mind, time is work. So if you save time, you're doing less work. That appeals to laziness pretty directly. Um, reason number four, reduce effort. This is a very direct appeal to laziness. If you don't have to put in as much effort, it's not as hard. If it's not as hard, that appeals to laziness. Duh. Okay. Uh, number Five and six, increase pleasure and reduce pain. Well, hard work is no fun and pleasure is fun. Therefore, pleasure means less hard work. And hard work also equals pain. Less pain equals less hard work. So, you know, it may sound like circular reasoning, but this is actually pretty deep human psychology. Sounds simple, but it's powerful. And it's it's true. You can show someone how to... Do one or more of those things with your offer, you'll substantially increase the the chance of sales and and the conversion rate. You do it right. Absolutely. So, what is Garfinkel's law of work? Okay this this is not like uh, Marx or Lenin. This is <laughs> um, it's 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 not like John Locke either. I mean, th- this is not a very political or philosophical thing. This is a reality based discovery, and this is not about a laziness headline. This is about, but it it it's about prospects' willingness to work when they're reading your copy. And the short answer to that question I didn't ask over out loud is people are not willing to work to read your copy. You have to work. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I will show you. 
Garfinkel's law of work says he who works gets paid. Or if it's a woman, she who works gets paid. Now, what I mean by work is how much mental work goes in to either reading or writing your copy. And it's like a seesaw. It's like the more work you put in to making it simple, clear, and easy to read, the less work the prospect has to do to figure out what the heck you're saying. Okay? So when they work hard, when you haven't done the work, and they have to work hard trying to understand what you're saying in your copy, in other words, when you don't allow them to exercise their laziness, when you make them work hard to understand your copy, they're the one who did the work, and they're the one who gets paid. And by gets paid, I mean they get to keep the money that you were supposed to get by selling your product. So they get paid. When you do the work, when you think it through, when you say, what's, what's someone not going to understand here? How can I explain this in simple language? How can I make sure even a busy, distracted person can get this? And you keep refining it till it's like greased slide, slippery slope, slam dunk simple. And, and you know it's good. When you do the work necessary to make it easy for them to read and understand, they read easy, and because you did the work, you get paid. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And I've never actually thought about it. But when you gave the analogy of the teeter-totter, um, the more work that you put in, the less work they have to put in. And the more work that you put in, the less work they have to put in means uh, the teeter-totter goes down on your end, up on their end, and that, that whole grease slide effect, the money just slides from their pocket into yours. It does. Now, here's, here's an important um, footnote. A lot of people who don't have a lot of experience with copywriting associate working hard on something with making it complicated and using $50 words that your graduate school professor would approve of and pat you on the head and give you a little cookie for. No, in copywriting, it's just the opposite. We work hard to make it as simple, easy to understand as possible. We, we use the shortest words we can. We, we speak in the language of the people. We keep the reading level down, if you know how to do that in Microsoft Word with the grammar and spelling check, the flesh Kincaid readability index, we, we try and keep that 7th grade, 6th grade, 5th grade. Um, that's what's easy to read. And, and we show our copy to other people who don't know about what we're writing about and see if they understand it. Not if they approve of it. Not if they think it's literary. Not if they think it's aspirational. Not if they think it's the most beautiful ad they've ever read. Do they understand what you're talking about in the way that you meant to convey it? Now, I, I have a question about that because it seems like a lot of advertising that I see nowadays, I come away from it thinking to myself, what were they trying to convey? What were they trying to get me to do? Um, especially when it comes to like, some of these high-priced advertising agencies that make these commercials for things like the Super Bowl, a lot of times I walk away thinking to myself, I don't even know what they wanted me to do. I don't even know what they were trying to get across. 
Well, that's the price you pay for becoming educated about direct response copywriting. You start to see how bad most other advertising is. Their goal is, is not necessarily to sell. When you've got a publicly traded corporation, when they almost all of them are the ones that advertised in the Super Bowl, their ads are trying to stay politically correct with the media and with the analysts on Wall Street who are looking at their stock and um, with other advocacy groups that might have a political axe to grind. And they're going for likes in, in the, you know, in the, in the, imaginary Facebook of, of popular opinion. And also they're going to be submitting those ads for awards where other advertising people say, oh my, how clever you were. Oh my, how creative you were. And really sometimes, often, usually the last time they're thinking about is getting a customer to take action and to buy something. So they're operating on a different standard. But if you own the business or you're writing for someone who has a business where sales are more important than winning awards or being on the Super Bowl and dropping, what is it, $5 million this year for, for a uh, one-minute ad? If they, if they want sales results, they want to grow the business and get customers, then you want to make it very clear about what they want to do. I want to take a moment to point out how vitally important headlines are in copy. As you may already know, the strength of your headline accounts for up to 80 or even 90% of the effectiveness of your ad. Think about that. What if there were a way to shortcut the headline writing process and start a new headline based on a proven winner? Well, there is. It's all in my book called Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. This book is available now on Amazon.com. Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. What's unique about this book is it shows you exactly how to adapt a proven winner to your product or service. Because I show you 10 adaptations for each headline in different niches and explain the psychology of how to adapt a headline. Advertising headlines that make you rich in hard copy and Kindle formats on Amazon. Now, back to our show. So let's jump into uh, some steps that people can use for putting together a great laziness headline. Okay, so again, remember, life is hard and then you die. Not a valid sales proposition. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad you laughed because it's supposed to be funny. But I'm not going to laugh at my own joke. Uh, <laughs> so everything has an easy part and a hard part. You want to start to focus on what one thing does your offer make easy and so uh here are like five templates that you can use how would you like to blank and whatever blank is is to do something easier that's harder now the easy way to and blank same thing in the blank save up to blank and this would usually be time um probably time with blank. What if you could blank and then describe the easier way they can do some task, solve some problem, um, address some issue with eventually what you're going to tell them about later, later in your copy or <clears throat> what our customers love most is how, and then you talk about they're able to save time. They can do something that used to take three hours. I, I have a client like that. He has some software for for small trucking firms, and it used to take them days to prepare IFTA reports. It's a very technical 
interstate um, taxes for truckers that go through more than one state. He's got something where now they can do it in about 20 minutes and they print out the report. So all the state tax authorities love it. I know boring product, unless you're running a trucking firm, then you're hanging on by your fingernails trying to find out about this thing. <laughs> so um, anyway, th those are five uh, templates that you could use to, to write laziness headlines that would attract people's attention in your target market, your niche customers. And those templates will be available at uh, the copywriter, um, the copywriters podcast website, copywriterspodcast.com. Basically, it seems like what you want to do is you want to convey uh, how your solution will make what they're trying to do easier, faster, less painful, more enjoyable, or in some other way, uh, like you said, less hard. Um, one question that I had for you before we're out of here, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've heard the template or, or I've seen it often used, how to get said benefit without said difficulty. How, how, did, how do you uh, feel about that template? Uh, I, well, I feel great about it, and I feel terrible that I didn't think to include it in the original list. But um, I guess I can't think of everything all the time. No, seriously, that's a good one. That's, that's a really good one because now this requires that you know what the prospect goes through in their mind and in reality when they're getting said benefit. They, you need to know what said difficulty is. It needs to instantly resonate with them or it's not going to work too well. You know, in, in the podcast about curiosity headlines, we were talking about an imaginary bike pump. And so I'm going to guess that, you know, most guys riding bikes, most gals riding bikes have to pull out a little pressure gauge after they pump it to make sure they get the right pressure. So how to get the right air pressure without using a pressure gauge. They're, they'd be familiar with that. You want to make sure it's something that's part of their everyday experience. But to, to answer your question directly, I think it's fantastic. Awesome. Well, David, thank you for this great infotainment. Uh, it's overly educational. Um, I know that I've learned a lot during today's episode. Do you have any idea on what we're going to be talking about next time? I think we're going to talk about a third kind of headline, which is called the problem solution headline. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Everybody go and check out copywriterspodcast.com. And uh, if you find us on iTunes, make sure that you like, rate, and review, and subscribe to the show. That'll help us out a bunch, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Hey, we're running a contest to promote the show, and one lucky winner gets a half-hour free consultation with me over the phone or Skype. We can come up with a new headline for your promotion or review all of your copy. Normally, I charge $750 for a half-hour consultation, but if you win, you can get it for free. We'll select the winner based on the best review posted on iTunes, so make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. In Episode 10, we'll announce the winner, so get subscribed and put in your rating and review today.